0: Advertising Week is proud to present Great Minds, People & Culture, a podcast dedicated to exploring the art of intentional leadership during times of change. The goal of Great Minds, People & Culture is to provide our audience with practical strategies, reliable data, and tangible advice as we look to empower leaders seeking to make a positive impact. Each 30-minute episode of People & Culture is a deep dive into the intricacies of effective leadership, featuring insightful conversations with experts and thought leaders. Great Minds, People, and Culture premieres September 2023 and will be available through your podcast store of choice and at advertisingweek.com. Welcome to Great Minds and our guest today from the wonderful but far away location of Adelaide, Australia is Dr. Karen Nelson-Field. Karen is the founder and CEO of Amplified Intelligence. She's doing leading edge work on a subject area that's been around for a while, but has sort of been reinvented by technology and Karen is very much at the forefront of that reinvention and i'm talking about the currency of attention and we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that so thank you for staying up late to do this uh when we have these usa to australia calls or zooms or records, someone gets the short end of the stick i think in this case it was both of us but uh, my
1: pleasure i'm used to it thank you for having me
0: delighted to have you so Ken, we we have a lot to talk about, and I I, want to start sort of not at the beginning as we usually do, but somewhere in the middle and talk about your role as the co chair and a founding board member of the attention Council, which I guess goes back about five years or so attention is an area that uh, sort of fits in that everything old is new again world as far as uh, i can tell uh and i am far less intellectual on this subject than you are but i'd love to start with the your sense as to why that was a good thing to found at this particular moment in time in this case going back to 2019 and uh i know it was a couple of years after you started amplified intelligence but let's talk about the currency of attention where it fits in the ecosystem now and the role that you're playing not only at Amplified Intelligence, but at the Attention Council?
1: Sure. I mean, it is a good place to start. So just to sort of step back, um, so I've got an academic history and, you know, all the time back in my tenure, I kind of recognised that there was going to be a currency crisis around about now and, you know, sort of left the university to sort of look at how or, or what metrics, I guess, could potentially sort of move into the next uh, phase of measurement. So my original PhD was audience measurement. So the interesting thing is when you're trying to change a category or build a category, if you like, and and change an industry, you you need friends and you need people that support the vision and you need to do it as a collective. And at the time, um, you know, there were plenty of other, you know, industry associations if you like that were kind of focusing on measurement in all different ways but none that were really considering new measurement it was very much I mean I won't even call it legacy because digital measurement isn't legacy but at the time it is sort of you know your viewabilities and you know your IBs were all focusing on fairly legacy digital media measurements so it was at a time when there were a very few of us in the market that um, had any interest in attention measurement. Um, and to be quite honest, I think we were all in London for an event, um, having a beer, and I sort of raised the point that, you know, if we're going to change an industry, we should do it as a collective and we should try and build something that kind of talks to what I call, A, the cause of the issue that we're having, the consequences of it, and you know what is the course correct so we kind of all cheers to that and and sort of started to think about you know what would an industry association look like called an attention council or an attention agenda and um and there's there it begins so i've i'm not as involved in it as much as i was and i think that's important i i'm not really um convinced that vendor board members are the right ones to take industry associations forward, I think there's bias in that. So, you know, I've kind of stepped back, a couple of us did, a couple of years back just to sort of let the industry do its its thing and kind of get involved. Um, but, yeah, it was it was a great way to kind of evangelize the need for change. I think it did its, its job.
0: Fantastic. So we're going to come back to uh, the work there and to that currency, and I'm glad we both settled on the same word. Uh, of attention. But let's go back to the beginning. Your background was more traditional. You worked at News, you worked at uh, Diageo. Uh, Talk about those early days, what you saw back then, give or take 25, almost 30 years ago and I'm right with you and yeah. and how you laid that uh that foundation early on purposefully or inadvertently for where you would go both as an academic as and as a professional
1: yeah look I mean I do come from um a background in in building big brands and you know the roles that I had at that time firstly I mean every good Australian works for News Corp at some point in their life. So I spent a lot of years in my 20s actually there managing sales teams and managing um, agency teams. And, you know, so I, I got a I got a taste for media right back then, but then I moved on to CPG um, and other kind of sectors as well and had big, big teams where people were buying media. Um, and I wasn't so much in the creative space, but it always was kind of on the buying space. Um so really, I think those days, I, I didn't really think too much about it. I mean, it was all very much legacy media, you know, TV, radio, <laughs> magazines, maybe a bit of mail drop. That's about it. Um, but it wasn't until I had my two sons, which they're only one year, the gap. So I had a three year maternity leave and um, was bored. So decided to do a PhD and and had a passion in uh, media and and picked up a, a media audience or you know a measurement sort of PhD so it was it was really kind of looking at um, how segmentation was evolving in traditional media but I was just it was right place right time to be honest man I, I was like right at a point when the Facebook was the Facebook and YouTube had you know a hundred viewers you know that kind of time and it was really interesting to me because as soon as I finished my PhD um, I had an opportunity to do a postdoc and and my interest area was the transition of old metrics to new and again it was kind of right place right time to be honest and you know I really sort of questioned even back then the the way that the transition was occurring Um, but I couldn't really articulate that to you know sort of 15 years later as to what I was witnessing and the difference in the way that it was measured from then to now Um, But yeah, so during the academic years um, and particularly through my postdoc, I sort of, you know, looked at, you know, this thing called the like button and tried to track it for a few years to understand, you know, what its value was to big brands. My PhD was uh, was, um, Ehrenberg Bass. So I was lucky enough to be exposed to some pretty big CPG players where I was able to get access to data and big minds. Um, So it really kind of, I guess, catapulted my interest into, you know, what does new measurement do for big brands and how will brands grow in modern measurement? So, you know, that's kind of, and the rest is history. So during that period of time, I got involved in content diffusion. So I wrote a book on emotions and content diffusion, but then I started to go, there's something going down, in the reach space that I can't quite articulate and started to sort of understand, well, where does viewability fit in? And is that really something that's equitable and valuable? And and yeah, the rest is history.
0: Absolutely fantastic. And our times sort of overlap when we started Advertising Week about 20 years ago, Facebook was on the Harvard campus. You called it the Facebook as it was called, indeed. And we were still a couple years away from the iPhone and YouTube was, uh, I believe, 2007. So the world has changed very quickly. If I were to submit to you that uh, the world has not kept up in terms of measurement remotely, with how the landscape and the land underneath that the industry is standing on has changed. Would you say that's more or less true or more or less untrue?
1: But suggesting that the industry hasn't kept up with change?
0: Well, that the industry's ability to measure media today and cross-platform in particular is pretty far behind where consumer behavior actually is
1: yeah I think I think it's less that. I mean, I think it's more the highly fragmented nature of measurement now. whereas when we were younger, you know there were regulators and associations, and it all had to be the same and and I think, and I mean, I talk about this a lot when I'm presenting everything changed the day we focused on inward facing measurement versus outward facing measurement. So in the old days, you know, we used to measure human behavior and it's pretty easy to measure that through diaries and consensus, a census um, surveys and things like that at the time, albeit, you know, basic. Whereas, you know, in modern measurement, every single platform, you know, starts to think inwardly. So they start to measure impression data and there's no regulation around that. And, there's no real transparency around that so I think it's less about keeping up and more about the fragmented nature of it and the non-transparent nature of it and I think that's and and on top of that you know we're all sort of striving because like I said we we stopped measuring humans because we used to measure human engagement then we tried to measure human engagement but stopped measuring humans and at that sort of at the point where it all started to go awry and, um, and you know I talk about this a lot but the the day that we we said that you know time and view was a good proxy for humans, is the day that measurement died, and and I still stick to that because it, it really does predict nothing about how a human behaves. So so I think yeah it's less about us keeping up and more about that we don't have, we we don't have um, a real solid consensus or regulation around it all.
0: So one of the uh, data points, if you will that uh is on the amplified intelligence site is about the value of attention and a statistic is cited that roughly 75 percent of the ads that you're paying for are not delivering that suggests that something is way off in the ecosystem yeah.
1: yeah look to be clear it's not that it's not delivered it's that they're not seen or they're not looked at is the difference so viewability and attention are related but they do different things so viewability was brought in at a time when the internet was very unregulated and the MRC came in and said you know we need to bring some standards to it and 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 for an ad to be saleable, it needs to have, you know, viewability standards around it. So that's being served. But there's a difference between being served an ad and someone actually looking at it. So if you, so viewability is not the bad guy here. Um, it's actually the metric that they use to validate time, um, viewability, which is time in view. So time in view, in my personal opinion, is the Achilles heel of our entire industry. And, um, you know, essentially it makes the suggestion that when an ad is on screen, a human is literally stopping what they're doing and paying concentrated, sustained attention to it, and that's completely wrong. As you would well know, humans kind of switch around and jump around and, you know, go. they're distracted, they pay no attention, then they do, then they don't, then they do. So the way that we measure, which has no, um, I guess, um, output to a human, Um, essentially misses the mark. So to your point, that that number is quite striking, but not new news anymore. But the viewability measure, um, basically about 75% of the ads that you buy on the MRC standard don't get any active attention at all. Someone's not looking at the ad 75% of the time. So, yeah, one in three chance.
0: Mm -hmm. And uh, overall, Australia... We went there for Advertising Week. Our event is in Sydney, our APAC event. And one of the reasons why we went to uh, your wonderful country is not because of the size of the market, but because of the global influence of the market. Talk about what you see in terms of leadership coming out of Australia on this issue. Uh, We think that you often are ahead of the curve. You deal with a lot of your colleagues around the world. You mentioned a, a, a seminal moment in a beer in London that led to the creation of the Attention Council. But what's your take on Australia's role in helping lead the way forward here?
1: It's interesting you say that, I um, and I'm grateful that you think that. I I agree. I think a lot of people really don't notice that as much, I guess, as I do. Um, but we have APIs in every holding co here. so. You know, that's, that's rare for any other country. Um, so, you know, the agencies are well on board. And I think it's a unified approach here, to be quite honest, um, particularly from an agency standpoint. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, when I started to evangelise the need for change, agencies were the first to jump on board to, to be leaders of change. Um, and I'm writing a new book right now, so there's quite a few of them that are kind of taking a a, a contribution, if you like, as I'm giving them a stage to show, you know, what they did do in the early days and bring forward the concept of attention economics. So I think agencies here, you know, they're a lot more collaborative, I think, than globally, and I think that has a role to play in it
0: let's take that something we agree on and, uh, and suggest uh, where some of the conflict lies when you're were a young kid and you're, you know, managing ad sales teams for the Sunday mail, your audience is limited to where the Sunday mail can be bought at a newsstand or delivered into someone's home on the digital platform. We are living in a borderless world and where if, what one place does is not done in another it undermines the system talk about that evolution of the digital world and a borderless world and the variance that we're seeing from place to place country to country continent to continent on this critical issue uh that uh, we're focused on here which is ultimately about effectiveness of ad spend
1: yeah, look, I, I think it's, I I think it is actually a lot more prolific than you give it credit for over there. I I, I do think, um, and I'm not sure quite how to answer, but the reality is, you know, the world is a big place. Australia is quite small by comparison. So I actually look at the rest of the world. In fact, even this year in Cannes, I was told by many, many people, oh my God, it's, it's really like it's landed, you know, there is an alternate currency here and that is, you know, what you're dealing with. So I I do feel like, I mean, you know, I've only been in business for, you know, just under under seven years. So, you know, I think as an ecosystem it is, it is actually growing quite quickly. If you ask someone like Jonah Goodhart, I think um, that he would argue it took him probably closer to 15 years or 10 to 15 years to get moat to a point where it was an accepted change. Um, and I just think I actually do think it's it's moved quite quickly from um, discussions to application, I think, um, to the point where now it worries me a little bit because it is a little bit of a land grab in terms of its its fame, the word attention metrics and its fame. So I do worry about the quality of the measurement that gets out there and is this just going to be another, you know, shiny clickbaity kind of tacky widget. (laughs) But, you know, I I do actually really rate, you know, the IBUSA, the WFA, the ARF, you know, all of their work that they're doing in the background. And I think that's helping kind of bring standards to um, an ecosystem exploding. So my argument back to you is, I actually don't think it's not reaching all corners of the world. I think it is. I think um, the major markets, the major advertising march, markets, it's it's well-established and it's kind of filtering out from there. So I would actually suggest that we've moved on from early adopters and we're borderline across to you know mass. Okay. I,
0: I, I, I'm not sure I agree. I, and I'm very friendly with the WFA. Uh, Stefan and his team, I think, are doing a great job. Uh, what I see is a lot more folks understanding it's an issue, trying to figure it out. You know, but I think the words you use, fragmentation and transparency, are real, let's not call them barriers, but they're real gauntlets to be navigated here um, uh, across borders. And uh, I don't think there's any question that there's a recognition that the gap has to be addressed. Uh, But I don't think we're there yet.
1: Oh, look, I, I don't disagree that we're not there, but to have consensus after a few short years that change needs to be mm-hmm. made, I think that's, okay. I think we're there. All right. Yeah, because I think, you know, what we just need to do is, you know, bring some standards and some some ethics around what the solutions look like and, um, But, you know, I think gone are the days that we actually work with one currency. I think, you know, the days when we were younger, when Nelson was the only measurement business in the world, basically, with the largest market share, I think those days are going. And I think we live in a multi-currency world. And I think advertisers and brands are making decisions, clever decisions, to ingest third-party data and build out their own solutions that serve their own purpose. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. I'm not convinced that we'll get to a point where there's one ta- one winner and one solution to the attention problem because, you know, attention is essentially at the heart of strategy, planning, creative, buying, measurement and more. So I think there's lots of different solutions to that. So, yeah, I, I think I look to the future and think that there's multi-currency currencies coming.
0: Okay, I, I think let, let's settle. I think we, we agree on some and slightly disagree on some, but I think we mostly <laughs> yeah. agree. Uh, uh, let's talk about what you do at University of Adelaide before we get and really dig into amplified intelligence. As a Professor of Media Innovation there, you're covering not just the topics we're talking about here, but a very broad spectrum of subject areas. Talk about Karen, what was on your teaching docket when you started there? uh, Not quite 10 years ago, but uh, about eight years ago or so. uh, And what's on the docket today? How has it evolved just over those eight years or so?
1: So uh, to be clear, so the first 10 years of my academic life, I was teaching but as I moved to uh, that role in Adelaide University, um, I'm a, I'm a research supervisor, so I don't teach. I do guest lecturing occasionally, but I don't. I'm not as in, I'm not as involved in the day-to-day sort of lecturing students. But I um, supervise PhD students and and master students now. So those topics, you know, kind of range in all sorts of effectiveness, but largely measurement spaces. So it's not quite, so yeah, I'm a professor in the space, but it's not as you would expect because it's research-based. Okay. So
0: whether it's uh, lecturing or supervisory, talk about the evolution of what are the front burner issues. I think that sort of cuts across. Um, Well,
1: I think, I think the front burner mission, I mean, you know, obviously I only get involved with things that, you know, I'm a specialist in. So I, kind of see there being even in you know the short space of time I've been there you know when I got there people were still doing PhDs on social media I mean who does that now it's kind of grown much more to um things that are lasting and and you know the last one I did was specifically around the history of measurement and you know where it's going in terms of the next phase and how technology fits in and things like that. So I think we've kind of evolved from being, you know, kind of enamoured by digital and thinking about it in a, you know, it's the, you know, Facebook is, is the be all and end all to, okay, we, to your point, we have borderless access. How do we navigate that? Um, as a brand, for example. And, you know, I think over time things like what's risen to the top now is things like, um, you know, um, your, your Amazons and your e-commerce m- mega sites and, and how that impacts big brands. So so I think it's just grown up, you know. So when I started it was pretty early digital. I mean, you know, when I say early it was, you know, eight ish years ago but, you know, it seems like that was almost decades ago. But yeah, it's very early, excited. What is this new thing called, you know, YouTube to where are we going from a technology perspective and what's next? What's post cookie, what's happening, um, you know, when programmatic gets kind of pushed back on in terms of ad fraud and things like that.
0: Now, no, certainly a huge amount of change in, in, I think what we would both agree is a relatively short period of time.
1: It seems like a long time, but I actually think it is quite short in the space of change.
0: So let's talk about uh, Amplified Intelligence. Go back to the beginning. What was the idea Uh, going back to 2017, you're about seven years old, but go back to that first, that beer, that London beer moment, if you will, for Amplified Intelligence.
1: So that's an easy one. Um, When I was at uh, the University of South Australia, so Erin McBass, um, I was was actually commissioned by Unilever to do a really, really big global study. Um, They approached me and said, they question the value at the time of viewability and whether it did what it said it did. So they really were the ones that opened my mind. And they wanted me to sort of understand human measurement because, and again, I couldn't articulate it at the time, but they basically hypothesized what I talk about now and is that is when you rely on impression data versus humans in an ethnographic way, is it telling the same story as what humans are actually doing? So I did a piece of work for them across multiple countries. It was all very clumsy and, you know, fake portals and early computer vision, um, and I look back and embarrassed. But I remember the results were striking and consistent, and I went, there's something in this I need to leave the university and I need to do more validation and more research around, whether there is actually a gap here and and what i'm dealing with so my aha moment or my beer moment was fortunately for me uh funded while i was head of a research agency or a research center at the university and it just gave me i can see a change coming and i can see if if measurement isn't working others are going to work that out so i better get there and have a look and see what could replace what we have that was the moment
0: And you've grown tremendously. You're now collecting data from across countries, uh, 14 Mm -hmm. some odd and growing. You're uh, capturing human attention data points from nearly 500 million people. That's an awful lot of growth, again, in a relatively short period of time.
1: Yeah, it's not 500 million people. It's a hundred thousand people, but it's 500 million data points. So, but it is a lot of data from a human perspective. But then we also have um, tracking um, uh, pixels as well that allows us to actually scale that data up quite considerably to the billions of data points. So, so from a human perspective, um, we collect. Uh, attention data ethically through permission, just like you and I have our cameras on right now. We collect it through device cameras on, you know, tablets, PCs, mobiles, televisions. We've even done, um, we're doing outdoor in real time. We do cinema. Um, And then we use that data to essentially build models against uh, or or it's it's gaze tracking tracking and facial recognition models that allows us to sort of um, explain where you're looking at what time when an ad served so that's the human side and then that data is then used to make even bigger samples um, using uh, tracking pixels which is across dozens of countries.
0: Fantastic so walk us through you know, a, uh, I, I don't love the the word choice I'm making, but a case study where I'm a new client and I'm sitting down uh, with Amplified and and take me through sort of the process that you go through for a new client, be it project-based, retainer-based or, or somewhere in between.
1: Yeah, so the business is changing a lot. Um, I mean, our specialty area, so we have, particularly solid technology that allows us to collect data in your Facebook feed, in your TikTok feed, in your Instagram feed in real time and replace the ads that you see without us even knowing. So but we do get permission from our panelists so don't don't panic. Um, but um, at, so that's where we started. We started by building, extremely robust technology that allowed us to sort of understand how ads performed across different platforms and within different formats in real time. And um, so if you were a customer of ours, firstly, we would say, what is it that you actually, what's your business problem right now? Most people like to start there because they find it really fascinating that I can actually intercept ad load across all the different platforms with their ads, just so that they can understand how humans interact as a in terms of the user experience with Facebook Watch versus Facebook Feed versus Instagram Reels, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so um, it's it usually it would be some sort of uh, I guess. Measurement in in that sense to understand you know how your creative performed across different platforms. We don't do a lot in the creative space. We're more around media, um, understanding the media influence. Um, But as we've progressed, to be quite honest, um, we've moved on a lot from. We've done. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of us in there that are ex-academics, so we do fairly large, thought-provoking. Uh, research questions some of the biggest questions to answer in this space like how do big brands um h- how does attention impact big brands versus small brands how does frequency play a role how does synergy play a role etc um and then but as a as a customer more more over and certainly in the future we have optimizer uh, um, agency grade optimizers in planning that people api into their their suite and you know people sort of buy subscriptions essentially to our optimizers and things like that to be able to um you know adjust and optimize their media plans in real time and things like that so so it's it's evolving quite quickly in where it was once you know a bit of a test and learn project based business um to now people have um recurring um I guess, uh, subscriptions to tools that we evolve over time that are fed into their tools, um, to make their lives easier in terms of media optimization, media planning, media buying, media bidding, things like that. And
0: you mentioned in context overall, and with your new book that you're writing now that the agencies have really come on board and are very much yeah. part of this. Um, can we talk about that and your perspective on brands understanding just how important this is, embracing it, shying away from it? Where are we overall there, agency and brand?
1: Well, it's interesting because um, agencies were definitely the leaders of change. And, you know, there's a few in particular that were particularly vocal and still are around championing change in the measurement industry. But brands are right on board now. So we a lot of our work comes directly from the brands. I mean, we'll always be fair and work with the agencies involved to make sure that they're part of the process. Um, But um, I have seen a swing, interestingly, particularly in the last 12 months where very, very big blue-chip brands will approach us directly, whereas that didn't happen so much, you know, even... A year plus ago, so it is very much changing. And and the other thing that's interesting in our world is, you know, some of our biggest customers are publishers. So you know, we didn't think that the publishers would be, but they, a lot of them are very much involved and getting on board and and looking to understand how their platforms and formats fit into the to the role of attention and where they sit, I guess, in a hierarchy and. You know, it's not to say one beats the other in terms of how much attention is paid, but it certainly is good for a publisher to understand how their user experience is influencing the way that you pay attention to their platform. So things like that we do with all the time.
0: Fantastic stuff. Let's talk briefly about two 800-pound gorillas that really dominate the industry globally and where you see them fitting in this evolving ecosystem. And uh, of course, I'm talking about Google and Facebook.
1: So they've both been customers of ours over the years. Um, I think they're very aware. Well, I know they're very aware that measurement is changing. And I think they're also interested in understanding attention to better their own user experience. Um, So I think... You know, look, I, I I'm not privy to their own product development, to be honest, but um, we know that um, as they evolve, they look to external parties on occasion to help validate changes that they're making. So I actually give them credit. In the early days, I did a lot of work um, to essentially uncover some of the the transparency issues in in a couple of those bigger platforms when I was still at the university, but now I kind of look at them and think, you know, they're actually listening to the industry and listening to brands. It might not look at it from your side, but we see it all the time because we're approached by a lot of these big players. But, yeah, I I think it's possibly that it's, better the devil you know than the better the devil you don't. But at the same time, they are jumping on board to be a part of this change. And I think, you know, they have to be because they'll be left behind.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think they absolutely have to be. So uh, if we're doing this again, Karen, in a year, what do you think we're talking about that will be different from what we talked about today?
1: So I thought you might ask me that. Um, i think the industry will will level up i think there'll be some players that are left behind because they're math based i think there are other players that will level up and jump into the ai space in a in a much more serious way so you know i think the whole introduction of of you know, LLMs, I think, and, and access to proper machine learning, not just, you know, a flippant use of the word AI will change the ecosystem. So I think my point is um, we'll become people that helps with decisions. I think that the word attention might sort of, I won't say kind of soften, but I think maybe it will morph more into uh, businesses that help um, I guess agencies and brands understand human behavior. and that's more of an AI business than it is or a machine learning business than it is a an attention metrics business. So I think that the I think I think there's going to be a leveling up of the capabilities in our area. That's what I think is going to happen.
0: Okay. I, I love that prediction. Well, thank you so much for doing this. It's a, a real heady area. I'm struggling to keep up, uh, but <laughs> doing my best. And uh, and I love talking to somebody from one of my favorite places, Australia. I, I think you genuinely do lead in so many ways in innovation and, uh it's a very special place with an awful lot of special people who not only are still working in your country but are expats all over the world uh leading the way forward and uh, i'll let you go to sleep
1: thank you well you'll have to come back and visit we
0: absolutely will thank you karen loved having
1: you thank you take care